Well, thank you, everybody. Thankful to Pastor Tim for the opportunity to share. Um, we've been listening in. We were traveling last week. We heard uh, afterwards, uh, was it Pastor Tito? And he, I remember hearing about his haircut um, <laughs> and his birthmark on the back of his head. Well, my wife made me get a haircut uh, this past Thursday, so, so, you know, but no birthmark as far as I know. Um, this thing on? Is it? Okay, cool. Oops. There we go. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to start, if we could, please. I know Pastor Tim, every um, service, we have prayer for revival, and he has people get on their knees if they want to. So if you'd like to get on your knees for a minute, we'll pray for revival quietly, and then we're going to pray for Israel today. So um, please do that if you'd like. And so we'll spend about a, a minute just pray quietly for revival for this country and our lives, our families, and so forth. And then we'll pray for Israel. So we do pray for revival here in America and around the world. We want to pray specifically for Israel today and uh, challenges they have. They always have the uh, threat of terrorism over there, and Iran is a great enemy trying to bring them down. And their Prime Minister Netanyahu, he uh, just last month I read in the news that now is a pacemaker in his heart, 73, I believe. So he's got some health issues. And Biggest thing of all is uh, they only have 2% of their population over there that is saved, that is Christian. And so we, just as we pray for revival here in America, we also pray for Israel. And, you know, we look forward to, we, we see the prophecies about the millennial reign. When, Lord Jesus, you're reigning from Jerusalem here on earth, and we're not there yet. And uh, we just pray for Israel, Lord. We know that you want all to be saved. and. You love Israel. They're so precious in your heart, in our heart, Lord God. So please send revival to Israel. Please, Lord God. And again, to America and our own selves, our own personal families, our own country as well. We pray all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you. Please be seated if you would. So again, I thank uh, Pastor Tim for the opportunity to share. And thank you guys. Uh, we've been coming to Calvary. We moved down here in January, and you guys know for ministry, you don't really ever retire, but roles do change, and so we've down here since January, and so thankful to many who have reached out to us. We're so grateful for you guys, and actually, it's really neat because uh, Jackson mentioned he was, first service, he was sharing about Romans 8.28, and that's part of the message. So that's pretty cool, you know? And I asked him, did you see the slides before? And he didn't see them, so that's kind of neat to me, so we're Looking forward to that. Also, thank you. A few people told me they've been praying for me, uh, so I appreciate that as well. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate it very much. And we're going to be over in Judges 6. Do you want to go there, please? And we're going to be talking about Gideon, but I guess if you wanted to title the message, it would be, you know, hearing God's voice and discerning his will. And I think that's something we all can relate to. Um, hard for us. It, Especially because I want what I want, you know. Surprising, um, you know, we've got uh, our families down here with seven grandkids, and I can't tell you how many times I start getting upset at one of my grandkids, and I say, hey, that's me, only I, they can't hide it the way I do, you know. <laughs> they, they get angry about something, or they don't want to listen, or whatever it is, you know. You say left, they say right. You say up, they say down. That's me. I hate to say it, you know. And you know, God is so good. And, uh, he wants to speak to us. So uh, some background data points, first of all. Um, you know, living a lifestyle to open our ears. We live in such a distracted, busy time. And if we're not careful, we're going to be so much thinking about everything else, we're not going to have time for prayer, for reading the Bible, for stuff like that. And we need to, you know. I mean, we always have the time, but we can get to a place where we're just running every which way. 
So I thought a couple of really cool verses just to try to base our life on, because by doing that, it'll help us hear God. Acts 2.42, the early church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. They were consistent. They were steadfast. 1 John 3.22, whatever we ask, we receive from God because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, we put all the scriptures together. I mean, we're not going to earn anything from God because we all fall short, starting with Pastor Mark here. But again, it's a lifestyle. Am I trying to keep his commandments? Because, you know, it's funny with Paul, you guys, chronologically, how did he begin? He talked about himself. What do you say? I'm the least of the apostles. That's not too bad, right? Later on, I'm the least of the saints, least of the saints, which that's not so... But at the end, he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. So it's like you went from the least of the apostles. Now, but I get it. And I think as you grow in the Lord, you get it because you start looking in the mirror, you start realizing, hey, we're, we're not competing against the culture. I mean, we're Jesus, the, the Word of God, that's our truth. That's who we're chasing after. That's who we, we love. That's who we want to emulate, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, lifestyle habits. And then kind of the point, one of the main points today is going to be 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in Him and the Lord. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we've asked of Him. And so, obviously, if we ask God for something He already wants to do, He's not going to say no. He's going to say yes, right? I mean, it's such a key in hearing God's voice and being willing to move forward because I've got so much of me still in me. Again, I'll just tell you, the older I get, okay, I'm 67, okay, and... Uh, since 1980, we got saved, my wife and I, um, and for over 40 years, and you're still growing, you're still learning, and I look in the mirror, and I see more now than I ever did back then as far as shortcomings and everything else, you know, but again, hey, God is good. He wants to help us. It's a good thing, and so to me, uh, you know, we planted the church in Buffalo 26 years ago, still going well. Um, I taught on the side at uh, times, uh, adjunct math, okay? And so you might see a couple math things here. <laughs> Don't beat me up afterwards, I'll fall asleep during it, okay? But look at Acts 2.42 and 1 John 3.22, to me, it equals 1 John 5, because Acts 2.42, your life, you're steadfast, you're continuing in the Word of God and breaking of bread, fellowship prayer. You're obeying God the best you know how. You're trying to please Him the best you know how. Well, if I'm doing all that, I'm my heart's going to become aligned with his heart. I'm not trying to tell him what to do. I'm trying to hear what he wants me to do, right? And so doing our best to live sincerely for God will help us to hear his voice and get our hearts aligned with his heart, okay? And then Matthew, just a little side note there, uh, like little kids. Who's got little kids? Some of you guys. Who's got grandkids? Some of you guys, little kids. I love their innocence, you know? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child to him and set him in the midst of them. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that innocence. As I get older, it gets easier to be a Pharisee. I mean, don't be there. I'm just saying it. It's easy to be a Pharisee when you get older. But the problem is half of it's you, you're jealous or something, and your motives aren't right. You're trying to, you don't even know you're doing it, you know? I like this better. Just pray everybody succeeds. Pray for everybody. Help everybody. Love everybody. And be like a little kid, right? So Lord, please help us to sincerely build our lives on the rock, Jesus Christ, so we develop and live godly habits. Our hearts are aligned with your heart, Lord. Our wills are aligned with your will. But ultimately, we desire what you desire, and we're totally on the same page that you're on, right? And then some other data points. Here's an indicator I'm aligned with God. Now, all these scriptures, they could be a teaching in themselves. They could be a month-long study in themselves just for information. And I would just say, anybody here that's asking the Lord for wisdom, maybe you've got an issue you're looking at right now, you're not quite sure. Well, James 3 is a good reference because it kind of tells you what is from God and what isn't from God. And first of all, what's not from God, this wisdom that maybe you're contemplating, this decision you're contemplating, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So, again, just be very honest with, I'll be honest with Mark, right? But here's wisdom from God. 
The wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is stolen in peace by those who make peace. Maybe just something to think about, and like I say, as you go through decisions, does it line up? Is this godly wisdom, or is it Mark kind of talking to Mark about what Mark wants, you know? And then number three to remember, God's on top of it. He always has our best in mind. In Romans 8.28, that's why the first service I was really, I was blown away when Jackson shared Romans 8.28, because I asked him, did you see these slides? No, I didn't see the slides, but that kind of makes me know that I'm at, I'm at a good path, right? Pretty cool. So God's on top of it. He's got our best in mind. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Don't raise your hand. Do you love God? You probably do. It'd probably be somewhere else if you didn't, right? I would think. And when I read called according to his purpose, again, you can get into discussions about different topics and so forth. I take that personally. Again, God is going to get us all straight someday, 100% right. But am I called according to his purpose? I'm called. We're all called. But am I disobediently walking away and expecting God to bless it? Oops, I'm trying not to fall off this thing. It's just a little bit high, right? Or am I, the best I know how, like a little kid, trying to obey? And the way I look at it, if I'm the best I can, like a little kid trying to obey, that's what God expects. He'll work out the details. That's how I see it, at least. For whom he foreknew, verse 29, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so he's got a great calling for us, okay? Um, let's go over to... Um, Judges 6, that's coming up in a few minutes, that slide there. But Judges 6, we're going to talk about Gideon. And, you know, Gideon had a calling from God, and God made it clear to him. I guess that would be my hope and prayer for everybody here, that whatever is on your heart that you're trying to seek the Lord, I would just pray that he would make it clear to you what the next step is. As I mentioned, we were Buffalo, we planted the church in Buffalo back in 1996. You guys weren't born in 1996, right? And uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, God, you look back and you can see how God speaks and, and how you can have decision points you need to make and how it can be very tough at times. And even the best person and, you know, that love the Lord, right? Hey, these both seem like godly paths. What do I do? God, speak to me. It's hard for me to hear, you know? And he's good at, sometimes you look back, back in retrospect, you see how he, is talking to you. I didn't put the, the verse up there. What is it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm walking this way. I, I don't see the answer. But if I look back there, I can see a lot of answers. I can see how faithful God is back there, right? If he's faithful back there, he'll be faithful up here too. It gives you assurance, doesn't it, to keep walking ahead, moving forward? Judges 6, commentary states about 1200 B.C., the Israelis had been in the promised land for about 250 years. little side note, but our Declaration of Independence for us Americans was signed about 247 years ago. So it's about the same time frame as our Declaration. And you know, I read this, and I see America, and I see me, and I see us, and I see... Because the Bible is timeless, right? Timeless. And so Judges 6, verse 1, says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. There's consequences, isn't it? Then, so. And so consequences, personal consequences, national consequences, this is the way life works. Verse 2, in the hand of Midian, of Midian prevailed against Israel. Midian, the bad guys. Because of, Midianites, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up also, Amalekites and the people of these would come against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. They would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they were, would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Again, so because. Consequence, right? But look. What good came out of all that? The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's good. And even though, I'm going to say, there's consequences. They brought this stuff on themselves. Okay, and I bring stuff on myself, so we all do because we're human. But 
if it brings me to my knees to seek God, if it brings me closer to God, then it's not a bad thing. And they cried out to the Lord. And that was this next slide here is that, you know what? Hey, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. Then who knocks, it will be opened. Everybody. So God wants to listen to us all. He wants to answer our prayers. So it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Let's drop down to verse 11. We're going to cover high points here because it's just so much here, you know. That's another cool thing about the Bible. It never gets old, you know, as we read our Bibles. And it's great. It's great to commentaries. I mean, I actually, on my own little side note, I, right now I'm using David Jeremiah Study Bible, and also there's one by John Volvert. I like to, every time I go through the Bible, use a different commentary, but I can learn from other people, but I learn from the Holy Spirit too, and you guys do too, right? That was one of the big things for me, Calvary Chapel. I mean, when I got saved and we started going to Calvary Chapel, I didn't, I didn't know I could learn for myself. I, I didn't. I mean, it sounds dumb, but I didn't, okay? You grow up in a church and you listen to the guy up here and... I didn't realize I could read the Bible for myself, and I found out you can, and you have to. And if you're healthy, you can still learn too, and you will. But the thing is, God speaks to us every day. And so there's so much in here. In fact, I'm going to show you something toward the end I never saw before, okay? After 40-some years, okay? But I'll, I'll tell you at the end there. Um, but right now, it's like this, okay? They're crying out to the Lord. It's a good thing. And so you drop down to verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So angel of the Lord, some of you guys have studied your Bibles, a theophany, many believe, visible appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, another discussion, but, you know, just something to think about. Or, you know, someday we could ask God all these questions. I got a million questions to ask God up in heaven, okay? So someday we'll be 100% all on the same page. Right now, you know, not always. You major in the majors, you might in the minors, right? The wine press. Here's Gideon in a wine press. He's in a pit in the ground, and he's hiding from the bad guys. These bad guys are bullies, okay? They're taking the Israelis' plant they want to sow. The bad guys come in, they take away the food. They're trying to destroy Israel. They're holding them down. They're bullies. And here's Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press, uh, you know, from these bad guys. But it's interesting, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Not you coward. No, you mighty man of valor. I think that's cool. Here's this guy hiding in a wine press. Okay, when you're threshing wheat, you're supposed to throw it up in the air, right? And the, the wheat comes down and the chaff blows away. Hard to do that in a pit, okay? But here's this guy and he's doing his best. And God says, You mighty man of valor. And I like that. If I was getting, I'd be saying, Who are you talking to right now? You know? But I like the fact that God sees. Things in us we don't see in ourselves. He sees good things in us we don't see in ourselves. And I like that. Because he created us all. Okay? He, every person here he created you with gifts and talents. And we're all different. That's part of the plan too. If everybody was a hand, we talk about the body of Christ. Everybody's a hand, where would the foot be? Right? If everybody's a foot, where's the eyes? Right? We, we need all the different parts. And so here God sees this guy and he's hiding yet. You mighty man of valor. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, why then has all this happened to us? Well, read verse 1, you'll know, Gideon, right? And Because you turned your back. You rejected God. That's why I say, to me, this is so current. Okay, for me personally, for our country, for our country big time, God help us. God help us. Send a heart, send a revival, send a heart to desire what you want, God. Please, God, forgive us for what we do. You look at the government and... If you, if you get disgusted, who put them there? I mean, we didn't necessarily, but the majority did. So God, help us to get out there and, and shine his lights and change people and get them saved so that they value biblical values and they vote accordingly, right? The ones that are in there now pray, they get saved, the ones that need to be saved, right? Anyways, okay, why is this happening to us? Gideon says, verse 13. We're all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Interesting. Apparently the fathers told them about it, but they didn't live it. It's one thing to talk, another thing to live, isn't it? Another thing I'm learning as I get older, if you don't live it, no one's going to listen to you, right? I mean, trust me, your kids and your grandkids, they know how flawed you are, <laughs> okay? At least they know how flawed I am. I don't know about you guys. But it's like, at least if they see the heart's right, hey, I'll listen, right? 
And so the fathers, they told them these stories, but they weren't living it, and that's why, verse 1, they did evil, and that's why this stuff came. But now, Gideon says, last part of verse 13, now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now here's the next slide. The Lord's forsaken us. Well, of course, Hebrews wasn't written back when Gideon said these things, but God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so, no, the Lord doesn't forsake us, but you know what? Sometimes we forsake Him, right? That's why we've got to fall on our face and repent, and God, forgive me. I'm a weak human, right? And again, He knows that. He's called Gideon a, a brave guy, a, a man of valor. He's hiding in a wine press. So God sees things, good things that we don't see in ourselves, okay? Verse 14, then the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And, you know, sometimes I like to look at different uh, translations as well. Go in this might of yours. New Living Translation says, go with the strength you've got, you've got, you have. Go with the strength you have. And I like that, because to me, the Lord's saying, hey, Gideon, you know what? Give me your best with a sincere heart and I'll make up the difference and much more. And I love that. I was telling the first service, um, you know, we moved down here back in January. We knew we'd be coming down about three years before we got here, right? But having said that, we've got seven grandkids. The youngest one is two. The oldest one's going to be 10 next month. And I've never yet told one of them, hey, get out there, jack up my car, change, rotate the tires, fill them up with air, let it back down, change the oil, do it all by yourself or I'm going to spank you. I mean, would that be a little bit dumb? It'd be a little bit dumb, wouldn't it? Now, I'm, we're fallen, okay? We're, you guys are awesome, but we're fallen, okay? True, we need Jesus. The distance between me and my grandkids is this much, let's say, okay? Now, this is between me and God is how much? Like, you can't even measure it, right? So if me, and I love my grandkids, if, I, if I'm not going to do this to them, and set them up to fail, you think God, who loves me more than I can love my grandkids, he think he's going to set me up to fail? He's not going to, right? You don't do that to people you love. And so here's Gideon being given this task by the Lord, and it's a challenge, and it's difficult, and it's scary, but God knows the way we're built. We're going to see in a minute here. Unless it's tough, you're probably going to take credit for it. I'll say it to myself. I'll probably take credit for it. Okay, if it's easy, I'm going to start taking credit in it. Oh, it's about me. No, it's not. It's about him, right? So look here. It says in verse 14, you know what? The last part says, have I not sent you? So it's a clear message. I've sent you, he says. And that's part of my prayer for us here today. God, help us to have that clear, whatever our thing is, whatever our issue is, whatever our challenge is, let us have that clear voice, okay? Here, it's clear, I've sent you. Verse 15, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So I can't, but with God I can. And it's a common message, right? You can't, but with God you can. Again, what God asks you to do, he's going to give us the strength to do it. Because he wants to bring glory to himself. He wants to touch lives. He wants to get people saved. He wants us to grow. And he wants us to... Can I just ask a question? Anybody here been a Christian less than a year? You don't have to raise your hand unless you want to. But I'm just going to tell you that I got saved. The first year I was like drinking it in. It's like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. Then the Lord kind of told me after a year, I'll get up and do something. <laughs> How are you going to learn? I could become a good Pharisee by sitting there and doing nothing. And blogging, and you know, and if they get in trouble, just race and come in someone else. But get out there and do it. That's how you really begin to learn and grow and touch other lives. And we keep studying too, and we keep learning and we keep growing. But so much of it you learn through, through doing things. Anyways, I can't do it, says Gideon. God says, you know what? You can do it. And then here's Gideon. I relate to Gideon, verse 17. He said to him, If I found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it's you who talked to me. And so Gideon hit a sign. Now, I don't know if anybody here has ever asked for a sign. I mean, I, 
I don't know if I ask for signs. I ask God, please make it clear. I can be kind of a knucklehead, okay? My problem is I know what I want. I know what the culture teaches. I know what that is. But as far as hearing your voice, God, help me because I can't always, I can't always do that without your help. I need your help. And my prayer is always, God, just give me clarity, okay? Some of you guys that have been Christians for a while, um, there may be things. I was talking to a brother before the second service here about how God did something. He'll tell you the story sometime. Or maybe I will sometime, but we're stretched for time right now. But long story short is that we planted the church in Buffalo back in 96. We lived in Brockport. It's like a 45-minute ride. And so we would always stop for gas Sunday mornings before we drove out to the church. So here the church is about six months in now. The kids are like, what, 10 or 12 years old, whatever age they were back then. I don't you know. But, you know, they're not that old, okay? And we'd stop for gas. And so the first resurrection Easter Sunday, we were in Buffalo, and we stopped at this gas station, and the thing kicks off. And I don't know if you could see it or not, but it's 777, okay? I don't know if you could see that. And, you know, the thing is, first of all, gas was a lot cheaper back then. But having said that, okay? Seven seventy-seven, and to me, to me, it was a, a little reminder from God. Okay, I'm thinking Trinity seven seven seven. I'm thinking God created in six days, seventh day, He rested, He was finished. Right, number of completion. I'm thinking Trinity. I'm thinking number of completion. I'm thinking rest. On the seventh day, He rested. He He brings peace. And for us Christians, sometimes even if you're not a Christian. We've, everybody sitting here, at least the older ones, have probably had at least one time in your life you're struggling with something big, it's really big, and you're, you're stressed a little bit, you wake up in the middle of the night, you got these feelings inside, don't raise your hand, can you relate? You all can, I'm sure, right? You got these, the bigger the decision, the bigger, the bigger it can get, but oh my goodness. But then as a Christian, what, you start praying and then you get filled with God's peace. Did you ever experience that? And then you go back to sleep, even though you don't have the answer. But you remember God. You remember who he is. He loves you, right? He's got a calling. And you got this peace, and you go back to sleep. And so the Lord, to me, he's so good. Again, you reach out, you seek him. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to us. He gives us what we need to, to see. And because we're different, sometimes he needs to speak to me in a different way. He'll speak to somebody else. You know, I, I get taken by, you know, the fishermen. Remember Peter and the fishermen? And they, they fish on one side of the boat and they don't catch anything? You say, okay, it's the other side. How wide's the boat, right? I'd be telling Jesus, what are you talking about? But he does it anyways. What happens? They, they can't, too many fish to drag in, right? So God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. God, help me to open up my ears and hear, right? You bring it back here. Now, down to verse 18. So it's like, Lord, please show me a sign. And then uh, Gideon says, you know, I want to bring you an offering. He, he does bring an offering to the angel of the Lord. Uh, verse uh, 21, it says, the angel of the Lord, drop down. Uh, here's the offering on a rock. The angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, there's a miracle. You just picture it. He's like, God. Like, huh? Right? There's a miracle. And then verse 22, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, I've seen the angel of the Lord in face to face. There's a miracle. How many people in the Old Testament saw the angel of the Lord face to face, you know? And then verse 23, this thing about peace, right? About God giving us peace, even though we don't have the answer yet. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Even though... The storm had not yet reached its climax, but still, be at peace. Be at peace. I'm faithful, says God. Verse 24, Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. A little quick side note, I asked the first service too. Um, anybody remember offhand? I'm not expecting that you would, but when Jesus rose again on the third day, remember the, the apostles, the disciples are in the upper, or they're in the room there and the doors are closed. They're afraid of the Jews. Remember Jesus appears out of nowhere? You guys, anybody remember the first words he said to them? A lot of you guys know that. I, didn't, I had to look it up. That's <laughs> cool, guys. Peace, right? Second words. What do you think he said again? 
Same thing, peace. Isn't that cool? And so this is part of the, as God works in our life, that peace, that peace, that peace. Your struggles, but still it gives you a peace. Drop down to verse 33, please, okay? Like I say, we've, we're limited for time, and there's so much in here. I want to hit a couple main points. But verse 33, the Midianites, the bad guys, the Amalekites, the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So here you got now a bunch of troops coming to help Gideon. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a sign too. They're not getting paid, I don't think. They're just coming, right? And it makes me think, you know, here's the Lord providing the necessary resources. You're trying to figure out what to do next. Here's God providing the necessary resources. You know, Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, our, the guy that began this whole thing, I mean, the Lord did through him. But he had some famous sayings. One of them that's always in my head is, where God guides, God provides. That's right, God provides. Next time someone else should be teaching. These guys know it. <laughs> I mean, these guys are awesome. But it sticks to my head, okay? Where God guides, God provides. Now we're going to see how God provides in a kind of interesting way. It's not always the way the world thinks. But still, okay? Now look, verse 36. And so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And again, if I'm the critic, I could, I could jump on Gideon. What do you mean if? Gideon, what's wrong with you? You saw the angel of the Lord face to face. He told you he would bring you victory. He filled you with his peace. He brought all these men to fight alongside of you. What are you talking about if, dude, right? But... I also understand because I'm a human like you guys are, right? And ladies. Doubt and fear are normal for us humans. And I think in order for us to keep growing, we need to face bigger and bigger challenges so we can learn to trust God more and more. I was telling first service, uh, we went to India about seven times when I was up in Buffalo over the years. And at that time, I mean, I'm sure it's more modern as they build new things, but some of these old structures you go on, and the stairs were, the, were different heights. You know how the stairs are supposed to be the same height? Some of the times the stairs were different heights. If you're not careful, you might fall down, okay? You're, you had to be careful. And I was thinking about that kind of in reverse. Okay, as I walk after the Lord, I think every step has to get a little bigger, doesn't it? Once, once I get this step, and I'm good with it, now what, what's a smaller step or the same step going to do for me? I mean, you know, don't I almost need a bigger step, a little bit more of a challenge, and then next time a little bit more of a challenge, a little bit more? At least that's the way I see it. We need to have bigger and bigger challenges because God knows our frame and he wants to keep teaching us how great he is and how nothing's impossible for him. So I think every challenge has to get a little bit bigger, okay? Anyways, the, the fear is normal, the doubt's normal. Uh, over to verse uh, 36. So Gideon said to God, if you'll save Israel by my hand, then he puts out this request to God. Look, I shall put out a fleece of wool, a towel, on the threshing floor, if there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on the ground, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so when he rose early the next morning, squeezed the fleece together, he wrung out the dew of the fleece, bowl full of water. Then Gideon says, God, do it reverse, please. I mean, uh, thank you very much, but do it the other way. Let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet, and it was. So God shows him, okay? So again, God help us. Anybody here maybe needs to hear clarity. God, show us clearly what we need to hear for that next step. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Verse 2. Now here's something I don't like to hear if I'm Gideon. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself. That's why I think every hill's got to be a little bit bigger, every step. He knows the way we're built, right? I can do this, no problem, right? Uh, Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. And so, next slide here. So, if you read on, you know, there's 135,000 bad guys. There's 32,000 good guys. That's four bad guys for every one good guy, okay? And... 
he's saying, you know, God says, if, if I let you beat these guys, my own hand has saved me. Okay? No, I don't know. I mean, you guys, you guys, a lot of you guys get Facebook and all that, right? I've been getting all these Chuck Norris things on Facebook. You guys been getting those? The guy's like 80 years old now, but it shows him beating people, you know? You know, he does all that good stuff, right? Well, okay, four against one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess I'm pretty cool, right? I guess I must be, right? So I, I kind of get it. The ads aren't great enough, God says. And so, verse 3, proclaimed in the hearing of the people, Gideon, saying, who's ever a chicken, no one, I don't mean like that, who's ever fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So, you go from 4 to 1, now it's 13.5 to 1, okay? Verse 4, but man, oh man, what, what is it about our hearts as humans? The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. The ads still aren't great enough. Bring them down to the water. I will test them for you there. Then it will be that if whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And if whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So again, God help us. I love this. God's speaking to him. What I tell you, do it. Clearly, God help us be the same, right? Speak clearly so we can do it, right? Well, look at verse 5 here. He brought the people down to the water. You guys know so many of these questions already. How many guys were left? Three, how many? 300, right? Okay, yikes. Now it's 450 to 1, okay? Now that, I don't care if you're Chuck Doris and the Hulk and Spider-Man, okay? You, you can't be 450 guys. You can't, okay? And so look, he brought the people down to the water. The Lord said to Gideon, whoever laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, whoever gets down on his knees to drink. So the number of those who lap putting their hands to their mouth was 300. Again, God, why did you choose the guys that lap like dogs? You know? And again, that's another question you could ask the Lord someday because I don't know the answer. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically. But look at this. I mean, that picture we showed before, you know, what I've heard some people teach, and I think it's maybe probably true. I don't know. Look. See the guy lapping like a dog? Now so he's looking around. If a midnight comes, he was going to see him, he's going to pick up a sword and take care of him, right? The guy with his head in the water. You think, Sir, yes? Bam, right? He's going to be dead. So I think maybe the guys that were hit, they were ready for that particular task, if that makes any sense. These guys were ready. doesn't mean that God didn't love the other ones. It just means that, you know, God has given us all, some things that are for everybody, you know, Acts 2.42, be steadfast and be in prayer and so forth. That's for everybody. But there's also a significant individual calling for each one. Where do I fit in? What do I do? And it can be hard at times because it's like we tend to look at others and we start comparing ourselves with them, humans. And again, I don't know, how do I say it? I worked at Kodak for 25 20 years and kind of overlap with being a pastor part of those years, but you do, you do look at other companies. You want to, what are they doing well that we're not? I mean, you want to, there's a healthy benchmarking that you do. But on the other hand, too, our goal is not human. Our goal is Jesus. Our goal is obeying Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we're called to do. And so we can, I think, sometimes look too much down here, not enough up there, if that makes any sense, okay? Anyways, these 300 guys, they're chosen for whatever reason, again, because God chose them. Looks like he's chosen everybody here for something, or some things. But look at verse 7. The Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and, they, and he sent away all the rest of Israel. I give Gideon so much credit. I can't imagine. He did it. He obeyed God. Like, this is nuts. 300 people, and okay, God, you told me clearly I'll do it, and God, let me be that way. Let us all in this room be that way. Don't be foolish and just jump out before God tells us, right? But on the other hand, when you know that you know that you know, then do it, right? I will say when I was a pastor over in Buffalo there, you know, you have the leadership team like you have a good leadership team here, and my wife too, okay? And to be honest with you, not to embarrass her, but I needed to hear from everybody I really trusted, and she's one of them, okay? And I need to hear the same thing coming from everybody. Then I know it's the Lord, you know? Or at least, I don't know how to say it any other way. 
I've also found myself personally, if I'm struggling with something, a lot of times God will send a message or somebody to tell me the answer, but they don't know I'm going through the issue, if that makes any sense. Ever experienced that before? I remember there was a time I was uh, fighting about something. I'm listening and driving, listening on the radio, Christian radio, and the guy on there, I can't remember the names, but the guy's telling me something I don't want to hear, right? So, of course, I flipped the station to the other Christian station. The guy's saying the same thing, okay? It's a different guy, <laughs> different state, probably 10 years apart. It's like, uh, duh, uh, duh, right? <laughs> Hello? But knuckleheads, right? We can be knuckleheads. Now here's, uh, you know, you, you keep reading uh, over and over again, and I'm going to tell you something I never saw before in this passage, okay? Because I'm thinking about this, and okay, these 300 guys, you're going to be the guys. And I'm thinking to myself, there's 9,700 guys that wanted to be the guys that weren't called to be the guys at that time. Make sense what I'm saying? You got 10,000 willing guys, and 9,700 are told to go home. And I'll tell you from my perspective, and maybe men are built differently, I don't know, but it's going to hurt, okay? I didn't make the cut. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. Maybe even something like God doesn't love me. He loves them more than me. You guys, can you relate a little bit to what I'm saying, sort of? That's why, again, to me, 1 John 5, 14, 15 is probably one of the most key passages about what I'm trying to teach today or share with you guys. Here's the confidence we have in him. If we Ask anything according to his will. Not what Mark wants. It's not what the culture says. It says what he wants. That's the goal. And if I'm living my life on the rock of Christ and doing my best and being sincere like a little kid, he's going to speak to me because he loves me. If I'm running around with my ears covered and, okay, running around, not listening, then it's going to be hard, okay? But just be like a kid, right? And so... These guys, they're not failures. It's just that they weren't called by God for that particular task, okay? And now, and I was telling the first service, true confessions from a pastor, okay, of 26 years. And I was thinking, maybe they should do like one of those TV reality shows. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know, true confessions from a pastor, okay? <laughs> might be interesting. <laughs> might be scary. But look, okay. Our church in Buffalo never got, well, 26 years, okay, still going. Pastor Gary Reed, pray for Pastor Gary. If you think about it, just think, pray for Pastor Gary, the current pastor there, lead pastor. We never got super big. Now, sometimes I would say to the Lord, this is true, okay, this is, I'm being honest with you guys. I would ask the Lord sometimes, Lord, don't you want me to be the next David Jeremiah or the next Greg Laurie? I'm 15 years younger than David Jeremiah. I'm younger than Greg Laurie. I got my haircut. It's still more than he's got. I mean, you know, come on now. But here's God's plan, okay? And at least for, for me and for all you guys, okay? It might be different circumstances, but here's the thing. Hey, um, my loved one, I don't want you to be the next David Jeremiah or Greg Laurie. I want you to be you, right? He wants you to be you. He wants me to be me. Are you willing to go where I send you? Are you willing to do what I ask you to do? Yeah. There's victory, right? When we say yes, there's victory. And I'll also say here's the second confession, but it's okay. Uh, like Gideon, I'll sometimes ask the Lord for clarity. And I honestly do, I say this prayer sometimes, because I know how hard it is for me to hear, because I got my own desires and all that. And I say, Lord, you know what, if you need to or want to, please, swallow me up in a big fish like you did Jonah, and then spit me out where you want me, Okay. Maybe part of that was living in, in Buffalo, Lake Erie's right there, big, great lake. You guys got the ocean, but... So maybe just whatever you want, Lord God. Look, uh, Psalm 139, and it talks about God forming us in our mother's womb. Uh, David writes, you formed me, my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Now look here, the key. In your book, they were all written the day's fashion for me when there was none of them. There were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So it's awesome, but that 
uh, part that's bold there was kind of what I was trying to get to. God wrote a book about me. He wrote a book about you guys, about all of us, before we were even born, okay? And so, and that's why I kind of, when uh, Jackson shared about Romans 8.28, it kind of flipped me out a little bit because that's like the main point, really. You know, did God write a good book about me, or a book for success, or a bad one about me, a book for failure, right? He wrote a book about everybody here. Was it a good one or a bad one? Well, Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So it's good. God is good, isn't he? God wrote a good book for everybody here. Is life on planet Earth always supposed to be easy, cakewalk, no difficulties, no challenges, no suffering, no pain? Well, Romans 8, 29, next verse, right? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What's the old saying? No pain, no gain? You know? That's why I can be an expert if I just sit on my behind on the couch. In fact, okay, let me tell you one last story here. We're running out of time, okay? We get saved at the church. Then we leave. I don't go anyplace for, for a year, okay? I'm laying on my couch reading my Bible. I've, at least I was reading my Bible during that year. One day I look over and see my little kids, and they're little at the time. I'm thinking to myself, God, show me. You want them to be like you? Sitting on your, you know what? <laughs> Get out there. Be, be real. Be the real deal. That's what got us going again. That's where we found the Calvary Chapel. Praise God for that, right? Anyway, so it can be tough at times. That's why I like Romans 8.28 a lot more than 8.29, personally. But pain allowed by God has a purpose, helps us to grow, no pain, no gain. And, you know, another side note we're not going to get into, but remember Job there? How many of you guys have read Job? If you haven't read Job in a while, read chapter 1 and 2 because he got hammered. This guy got hammered like no one else, okay? Satan is hammering this guy. But if you remember the story, anybody remember Job? I mean, again, don't raise your hand, but here's a key thing in chapter 1 and 2. Before Satan could do anything, who did he have to appear before? Before he went to Job, he had to appear before someone else first and get permission. Who was that person he had to appear before to get permission? God. God is good. Again, Pastor Chuck Smith, when you're faced with what you don't understand, Paul back on what you do understand. Romans 8, 28, I get it. He loves me, even though these challenges can be hard. The fact that God allowed it but set the limits, that helps me a lot in life because I don't understand a lot of things, you know? I don't get somebody being born in North Korea. I don't get it. But in a sense, maybe I'll ask the Lord someday, if this is what they needed to get them to the point where they would receive you as Lord and Savior, they'll, they'll worship you throughout all eternity. I don't have all the answers. All I know is that, again, God is good. And when you're facing stuff you don't understand, just remember he loves you, he wrote a book about you. He died for you. He put on a man's body, right? He died for us. And so, yeah, it could be hard at times. Here's the question. Am I called by God? Yeah, you're called by God, all of us. Were the 9,700 willing guys sent home also called by God? Yeah. But not to be one of the 300 chosen for that specific task. Why not? I don't know. I'm not God, right? Because God writes a script. He's infinite and perfect. He knows what's best. That's why. I don't know why, but he knows why. And you can rest in that, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to read it right now. It's something to think about. Spiritual gifts, something to look into. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian does. Hands and feet, arms and legs. We mentioned that before, so the body of Christ can function as a body. The very last part of that verse there, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases, just as he pleased. And so why God does what he does, I don't know. But what I do know is that he's got a calling for each one of us. That much I know. And he loves us, and he wrote a book about us, and he set us where he set us for a reason, okay? I want to jump ahead, uh, chapter 7, verse 22, real quick. We're almost done here, guys. Here's something I never saw, okay? Another thing I never saw before until recently. And so you guys remember who wins the battle. The 300 guys win the battle, right? God does. And what happens is, is that now, the bad guys are scattered. They, they, they turn their swords on each other. They're starting to run away from the Israelis, okay? That's verse 22. When the 300 blew their trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia toward 
Zura, as far as the border of there, right? Look at verse 23. Now, I never saw this before, okay? I was thinking about these 9,700 guys that they didn't make the cut. But I never really saw before that once the bad guys are running and the 300 are chasing, Gideon sends out another call to, again, to areas that he called the first time, some of these guys that ran away and some of the guys that didn't make the cut, same areas and other areas. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, you want to call it a second chance, whatever you want to call it. But here's a chance to be part of this thing. You weren't called to be the 300, but here's a chance to be part of it. Let's just read this, and then we'll, we'll talk about it, okay? Because it says, he, verse 23, the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali and Asher and all Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. And all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places. Got all these guys coming, okay? And I never really saw that before or thought about it before. I'm thinking, man, what an opportunity for the 9,700 guys who got sent home. Hey, you want to be a part? Come on. I didn't specifically call you for the 300, but be a part of this thing, and they can come. The 22,000 guys who chickened out early on, you can come too if you want. Maybe the Lord's speaking to them. I, I shouldn't have run the first time. Hey, here's a second chance. And I was even thinking, the guys we don't read about, when the 22,000 that ran first came, the other guy is too chicken to go the first time. Make any sense what I'm saying? Some guys didn't even show up. Gideon puts out the call, you got these guys that come, then 22,000 leave, but there was some guys that didn't show up the first time. They got a chance too to join in now. If that makes any sense. Everybody's got a chance. And it's so cool to me because, you know, God is good. He wants us all to succeed. He wants to use us all. He will use us all. But it's all on his terms. He writes the script. We don't write the script. Okay? Last point, guys, okay? Drop down to verse 9, so, or up to verse 9. So we're going chronologically back a little bit. But before the battle takes place, and here's Gideon again, you got 450 against one, and I can just imagine his, what he's going through and all that. But here's how good God is, okay? Verse 9 of chapter 7. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, so before this battle takes place, so before they fought, before this happens, arise, go down against the camp, for I've delivered it into your hand. But look at verse 10. But you mighty man of valor I found in the pit there. Look, if you are afraid to go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, if you are afraid to go down, comma, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. I love that. God understands us. He put on a man's body. He died on the cross for my sins. He understands me, right? And here's Lord reaching out. Hey, Gideon, I've given you a bunch of signs, but if you're still scared, and I would have been personally, just so you know, go down. I'm going to give you another sign. God initiates this. Isn't that cool? God initiates this sign. And he says, go down and listen, and you'll be strengthened. And so they go down. Verse 12, the Midianites and the Amalekites, the bad guys, all the people of the East were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. You'd be nuts not to be afraid, okay? But there's times the world sees us Christians as nuts. More than a few times, a lot of times. We trust God. God's almighty. Nothing happens without God allowing it. And again, our goal, God, help us to reach the world for Jesus. Help them to get on that path. Let them know him as Lord and Savior so that they can see him and experience him and know him and he can come alive inside of them. His spirit can come alive inside of them. And yes, they too and us, we can walk on that narrow road of the truth, not the wide road that leads to destruction, right? Last point here, but look, so Gideon, verse 13, when Gideon had come down, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. I'm just going to say, and I'll read this and we'll be done, but okay, I timed this with my uh, cell phone. This conversation now is like 23 seconds long, okay? And I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to ask you a question afterwards, okay? I'm going to ask you this 23-second amount of time, what if Gideon showed up 25 seconds later? What's the odds of this very short message? It's funny, I was, you know, drive by, you see sometimes churches have the signs, and they show the same thing over and over and over again, so you're going to see it, or a billboard, okay? You're going to see that billboard no matter what time, as long as it's up on the screen there. But here's this verbal communication, 23 seconds. The statistical odds of being there for that are not real great. 
He could have come 25 seconds after. could have come a half hour before. He could have arrived at a different point in the camp. In fact, he's there and he hears this message, which we're going to read. It's like this, the odds are, are astronomically minuscule. Okay? But yet, God's on top of it. God speaks to us. When he speaks to us, he speaks to us as he wants to, and he'll get the message through. So here's the dream and the, the conversation. So it's verse 13. I had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And that's the whole thing, okay? And so that's the entire thing. I'm reading this to myself. It's a dream about a loaf of barley bread. It's like, what's that got to do with Gideon and everything else for that? I have no clue. But somehow, the dream and the interpretation at exactly the right time for Gideon to hear it. And verse 15 went, so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Divided them into three groups. And remember, they had the, the empty pitchers, and they broke the pitchers, and they had a light, and they had an empty pitcher, a broken pitcher. Let me just go there. We're going to close right here. But look, at remember Matthew 5? This is for everybody. Uh, that's, to me, it's, it's a picture of who we should be. We should be an empty vessel, you know, empty of self, more of Jesus, less of me. Jesus is light shining through, right? And Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You've got to say, read this on your own, but when they've got these broken vessels, and they've got this torch in their hand, and they're shouting out to the Lord and Gideon, I mean, it's kind of a picture of us, Holy Spirit flowing through us. We're broken vessels. We're humble, and the Lord's shining through us. Anyways, let's close there, okay? Let's uh, close in prayer. So, Lord, yeah, so much, so much, so much, so much. But I do pray, Lord God, that you would help us to build our lives on you, the rock, Lord Jesus Christ. They would have ears that are open to hear you, Lord. And lifestyles which help our ears to be opened. The consistency in the word of God, in prayer and fellowship, breaking of bread. Those lives dedicated to you, Lord God. Those lives that want to obey you. Those lives that want to please you. We do apologize for our shortcomings. We all have them. But we also pray for hearts like a little kid, just loving you, just sincere before you, just honest before you, Lord God. And we do pray anybody here that is struggling right now with a decision needs to be made or whatever it is, Lord God, just pray you would speak to them clearly and help them, give them the assurance, whatever they need, Lord God, whatever they need to know what to do. And I do pray that every one of us in this room, starting with me, when you tell me what to do, I do it, and I believe everybody here will. So please, whatever those decisions are, please let them know, Lord God, so that we can obey you. I will also just pray quickly, because I know Pastor Tim always does. Um, he always asks anybody. Uh, thank, first of all, he always makes the visitors feel, feel welcome, and I hope you felt welcome if you're visiting. And I know anybody here has not received the Lord and wants to. If you want to, you can raise your hand real quick. Everybody's, nobody's looking. And, uh, you know... Um, let's pray, okay? We'll pray. Dear Jesus, you know, you are sovereign, you're almighty God. You speak to us in ways we don't fully understand so often. What sense would it make for somebody to come and die on a cross for no, no reason? What sense would that make? Most painful death. man. What sense would that make? That's been a reason. And we know, Lord, by the Bible, by your word, we know that you did it for us. We know that we may be pretty good compared to the standards of the world, but we all fall short. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short. The goal is not the world. The goal is you and your perfection, your beauty, your love. That's the goal. 
But Lord, we fall short, we admit it. And, you know, somebody here has not received you yet, let them just say, Lord, I do receive you. I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. I do believe you. I do want you in my heart and in my life. I need you, Lord God. Say words like that. Talk to somebody afterwards, one of the pastors here, or somebody that you know that you love and trust. Or we want to help you, right? We all want to help anybody that's there. And for the rest of us that are already born again, I'm going to pray too. Lord, renew that fire inside of me, please. It's too easy for me to get hardened by this world. It's too easy for me to shut off my ears and to not hear anymore. Don't let it happen to me, Lord. Give me a heart like a little kid, Lord God, in that way. Thank you, Lord. We pray all these prayers in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.